Don't miss out on the latest news and events in your community. Visit StarLocalMedia.com today. Sign up for our newsletter and stay informed on all the latest stories affecting your neighborhood. And if you're a local business owner, let us help you reach your target audience with our effective advertising solutions. Visit StarLocalMedia.com and take the first step towards staying connected to your community. Today's episode of the Star Local Media High School Sports Podcast is brought to you by Baylor Scott & White Sports Performance Center, Athletes Made Here. The Sports Performance Center was developed with one goal in mind, to maximize human performance through movement and recovery. Their team of expert performance sports coaches and trainers will guide you to achieve your performance goals. That's the Baylor Scott & White Sports Performance Center, located at the Star in Frisco. This episode is also brought to you by Allen Dental Studio, located off Bethany drive in Allen. Their office was designed with you, the patient, in mind, which means an excellent and enjoyable experience. From cosmetics to implants, you deserve a perfect smile, and Allen Dental Studio can make that happen. Also, don't want to leave out another longtime friend of the podcast, Texan Senior Residential Care Homes. With locations in Carrollton and Dallas, Texan Senior Residential Care Homes offers an affordable, high-quality alternative to senior living. Call now at 469-400-7650. That's Texen, spelled T-E-X-S-E-N, Texen Senior Residential Care Homes. Welcome to another episode of the Star Local Media High School Sports Podcast. My name is Matt Welsh, being joined by Brian Murphy and Devin Hassan. Gentlemen, it is Monday, and as per usual, let's talk some high school football. We are uh, embarking on week seven, which means um, up to this point, you know, everybody has played at least five games, depending on where you had your bye week earlier in the season. But we do know that everybody has completed, nevertheless, the first half of their regular season schedule. So... With that being said, let's talk. Um, let's just kind of get a cursory glimpse at um, superlatives. You know, the end of the year superlatives, things like district MVP, offensive and defensive player of the year, newcomer of the year. Those awards that won't be decided for um, you know for quite a few more weeks. But nevertheless, through the first half of the season, how do we kind of see those playing out a bit? Let's just kind of go district by district, five A and six A, and um, yeah, just kind of break down some of the names that could very well be in consideration for superlatives when all is said and done. Um, Brian, we can start over in five A. And whereas there's some districts where you know you feel like there might be a uh, you know a two three four horse race, it does feel like we have our MVP selection in five five A Division One pretty much set in stone, barring injury or something completely unforeseen, um, because like. I mean, we, we feel like, barring, again, barring something cataclysmic, it's going to be Marvin Mims. I was about to say, Star. who are you talking about, Matt? I don't know. I'm Frisco Lone Star wide receiver Marvin Mims is having a, uh, and this can just kind of be a, uh, just a breakdown of just this, what's shaping up to be a really special year for Marvin Mims. Mm-hmm. Not just for him personally, but just as far as just recent, just wide receiver history in the area. I mean, just already through just, what, five, six games played? Mm-hmm. They have, um, is it just five for them? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right, because they had their bye week a couple weeks ago. Um, so for Marvin Mims right now, for those who have not been apprised of this, it's just the year that Marvin Mims is having. He has right now, through the first half of the season, 1,044 receiving yards and 12 touchdowns. An average yards per catch of 26.1. That's more than a quarter of the damn field. He, he, he had a good season in six minutes, apparently, on Friday nights. Yeah. For, for a lot of receivers. Man, he, in the first 
five and a half minutes of that game against Wakeland. He had three catches, 198 yards, and three touchdowns, <laughs> including a 93-yard slant. You know that you only see like Odell Beckham Jr. make. Mm-hmm. You know to the house. The dude is is electric. He doesn't even lead the district in receiving touchdowns, though. That is fair. That, 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 and that, that's kind of going to get me to you know my next list of you know four or five guys that would win MVP in any other district. And I'm not even really including the, the guy that's the reigning district MVP in Miles Price. He doesn't even have the second or third best stats when it comes to just receiving numbers alone. Um, but the guy I'm, I'm alluding to with 13 touchdowns is Keon Wafer mm-hmm. uh, at Independence. Uh, he has 714 you know, receiving yards, uh, 25 catches as well. And then another guy with double-digit touchdowns is a guy I saw go up against Lone Star in Kevin Rochelle. Mm-hmm. He's got 11 touchdowns uh, on the year. It was 622 receiving yards. There's, this is this is wide receiver you in yeah. <laughs> in District 55A. Oh man, there there's so many other guys you know that won't you know that maybe don't have the super flashy numbers too. Kyle Bradford at Heritage, Trace Bruckler is also at Lone Star. He's a really good receiver. So when Marvin Mims graduates um, this this year, you know Trace Bruckler, he's going to take over. But man, Marvin Mims, he he's such a nice kid too. He's got a, a right head on his shoulders. I'm, when I you know when he's I he's going to Stanford. He's, go, he's going to Stanford. <laughs> and then when I talked to him about you know committing to Stanford, he was talking about how he was swamped in psychology homework the night before and stuff. Like, man, who taught? Like, who is this guy, man? He's just like the perfect kid, man. Like, I don't know. He, but he's definitely the MVP. But, you know, someone's going to get left out of a superlative that deserves it. You know, when I, I'm talking just a wide receiver in this district. Is it going to be Miles Price? Is he going to get Offensive Player of the Year? You know, he's, he's, the, he's the reason why they beat... Uh, Centennial, because mm-hmm. they could have very. The, I'm talking about the Colony. They should have lost or could have lost uh, to Centennial. And then finally in that fourth quarter, they were like, "All right, Miles Price here. Just <laughs> go do Miles Price. Don't pass yeah, yeah. seventy yard touchdown. Just please save us." Um, you know, I even I haven't even mentioned Christian Gonzalez, mm-hmm. Keith oh, yeah. Miller. They're both uh, the Colony. They're both you know Gonzalez going to Purdue, Keith Miller going to Kansas. Two you know Power Five uh, programs there. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. There, someone's going to get left out. You know, someone's got to get offensive players. This going to be a district where they give you know three offensive player of the years. Or, we don't uh, think in those know, terms, like, even though I know that's the popular thing to happen, do, is to give man. three or four different people one superlative. No, that's it's not like, how we roll. It's like with nine six a girls basketball. They had to give three MVPs because they had three All Americans. Yeah. You know, this I'm not saying they're All Americans on this team. Well, Marvin Mims is actually he's un- under Armour All American, mm-hmm. uh, but you know. They, they're gonna have to figure something out because <laughs> there's a lot of talent at the wide receiver position. With with Mims, I mean, this is this is not his first rodeo. He no, he had 18 touchdowns yeah. in the sophomore he's, season. He's yeah. been through the high school football grinder quite a bit. But this year, though, this is oh, yeah, these are numbers ridiculous. that could very well be. I mean, he could very well lead the. I don't know what the state lead right now is in receiving yards. You got to imagine the Mims pretty close. Um, but yeah. nevertheless, so what you've been covering that program for quite some time. What has been the biggest? What do you attribute to him taking this leap to where he's now just in this different stratosphere? from a production standpoint. Besides the obvious fact that he's a senior now, he's matured, you know, physically and mentally and whatnot, it has a lot to do with Garrett Rangel. Man, Garrett Rangel, we haven't even talked about his numbers. And he's thrown for over 1,600 yards. Yeah. He has 19 touchdowns, which aren't even the best in the district either for a quarterback. <laughs> I'll get to that in a second. But, you know, because last year they had Julian Larry. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he's a phenomenal athlete. Uh, but he really he's a defensive back playing quarterback last year. Um, and, and, you know, he got the job done, but he, he didn't, put up the throwing numbers like Rangel did. And granted, in Mims' sophomore season, he had uh, MJ Rivers. Mm-hmm. And MJ Rivers is 
one of the best quarterbacks sure. I've ever yeah. seen. Uh, he was phenomenal, and so that kind of led to his good numbers sophomore year. He still had great numbers as a junior, but I think you know now he's got a, a more mature, not a more mature quarterback. He's got a. He's got a, a quarterback that can really get him the ball, you know, wherever he wants it, wherever he needs it. And I'm not saying Julian Larry didn't do that, but, you know, like I said, Larry was – the quarterback wasn't in his natural position. Now he has a, a, a natural quarterback, uh, you know, that offensive line, you know, is, is more experienced. There's just so many weapons around him now, you know. They have a, a, a potent running game that they didn't have last year. Uh, and Jake Bogdan, who has been compared to by from Jeff Rayburn as a Christian McCaffrey type, I've said that millions of times on this podcast. But you know, he's he's another element to that offense that gets overlooked because you know you have Rangel, you have Marvin Mims, uh, and then you're like, well, you still have Jake Bogdan, who is having a tremendous season as well. He could be in the MVP case if he was in another district as well. But I think that element of having a running game was also really helping Marvin Mims out because you can't really because last year their, their rushing attack, you know. Really wasn't all that there, especially in the first half of the season for Lone Star. Speaking of, I mean, if we're going to call Marvin Mims a, a stone cold lock or whatever you want to terminology you want to use for is. MVP, Garrett Rangel surely is the newcomer of the year in this district, right? Oh yeah, sophomore. Yeah, yeah. We, going into the week one, he wasn't even the clear cut starter, and then the injury the injury happens to Chandler Galbon, and and he's the starter, and then he's the stud. They're not worried about it, and he is he is as good as advertised, if not even better, man. It, I thought it was funny. Rangel told me after. Uh, the the game against Highland Park when they beat them, you know, emotions were high. He said, "Man, sometimes I just throw it up to Marvin and just, just go and get it, man." But yeah. he, he's still throwing seven other touchdowns mm-hmm. uh, to uh, a player not named Marvin Mims. He's you know he's still getting the job done. Rangel has been absolutely phenomenal, and I see an MVP in his in his future. Not this season, obviously, mm-hmm. but in in the near future for him. But he hasn't been the best quarterback in the district, man. I haven't. Even, Mikey Harrington's having a good year mm-hmm. with the colony, but For man, sure. Braylon Braxton, man, he's got almost 1,700 uh, passing yards. He's got twenty five touchdowns, uh, so he's thrown twelve touchdowns, not to Keon Wafer. Also, man, it, he's putting up ridiculous numbers. And I knew last year he was good as a sophomore, but this year, uh, as a junior, he's he's making a case for MVP. I don't know what kind of superlative they're going to have to give him, you know, with with Mims. I, I hope they don't do a co MVP. I hope they do just one MVP because Mims really deserves that. Uh, but Braxton has to be somewhere on there, you know. Off, I don't know, offensive player of the year, or yeah. something. I don't know, but man, I feel like him or Miles Price are probably two names that immediately jump sure. out as offensive player of the year candidates. For sure, but he's got to be on there somewhere. He's yeah. having a phenomenal year, and he's a dual threat mm-hmm. too. He's not just a pocket passer. He can take off and run. He's a big body, six two, over two hundred and twenty pounds or so he he's a tough tough guy to bring down and he's he's really helped turn that independence program around and you know independence and lone star they played this week and mm-hmm. that's that's going to be juicy now miles price was the district mvp last yes, year correct yes. and he's been i mean when the ball is in his hands great things are happening he's averaging 10 and a half yards per carry on the yeah. ground yeah. and 18 and a half yards per catch through the air yeah and I, i've seen them play against reedy i've seen yeah. them play against centennial he single-handedly beat centennial in the fourth yeah. quarter he single-handedly put reedy to bed in the first quarter of that game he made a, a catch and double coverage eluded both defenders somehow and then took it to the house it's miles price is is really electric and if he was in literally any other district um you know that didn't have marvin mims or maybe a jackson smith and jigba in it he would be the mvp again but it's a shame that he probably won't get it this year and he's he's really really good going to texas tech for a reason bottom line there's an embarrassment of riches in district 5 5a division one um 
we can look at this seven uh, five a division one now, Devin. As we were talking about, Marvin Mims has a uh, he has a two hundred and sixty seven yard lead over the <laughs> second leading receiver in the area among five a programs. Number two receiver is JJ Henry of McKinney North, and that is one of uh, one of several standouts on the offensive side of the ball for McKinney North as they are putting up just an absolutely prolific year um, on offense. They have the uh, the at least among five a programs the area's leading passer in Dylan Markowitz, the area's leading rush in Manny Fincher and the number two wide receiver in J.J. Henry. Um, and obviously there's still plenty of other credentialed programs in that district. So what is your initial read right now on how the uh, the superlative races might be shaping, uh, shaking out in the seventh? I mean, I mean, how can you not give, give it to Dylan Markowitz yeah. right now? I mean, you know, 2,100 yards and 25 touchdowns and zero interceptions. That's the part that's that's yeah. a part that impresses me more than anything. 152 pass attempts and zero interceptions. Yeah. And um, you know, obviously, you mentioned Manny Fincher, I, who I was really impressed with last year. Um, you know, he's got the the pieces around him, mm -hmm. but obviously, you know, he's he's the kind of the, the cog that makes it go. You know, and so um, right now, I mean, how can you not give it? Give him the MVP. Yeah, I was just trying to parse between whether between him and Fincher, I guess what whose year was I guess more uh, impressive, so to speak, so far because they've both been outstanding. I was just checking. I mean, so Manny Fincher, his numbers so far, he's at one thousand and three yards, mm -hmm. twelve touchdowns. He has a. Uh, I just mentioned the gap between Jackson Smith, not Jackson Smith, Jigba, but uh, Marvin Mims and JJ Henry. The gap between Manny Fincher and the second place rusher in the area right now is two hundred and eighty yards, which is that is uh, the, wow. the gap between first and second is greater than the gap between second and 24th <laughs> among area running backs. I mean, so that just puts you in perspective just how um, how much more impressive Manny Fincher has been just from a production standpoint. But yeah, I mean, the fact that Dylan has not turned the ball over once yet. The fact that he's completing almost three quarters of his passes. Um, yeah, I mean this McKinney North offense, and it's also like it's the perfect combination of an offense that has a lot of talent and a really efficient and productive system, but also the circumstances coalesce to where they're going to be productive because they're in so many close games because of the situation on defense <laughs> that we've talked about in the past. Um, so yeah, I mean you're going to get these games where like you know you have these programs like Lone Star where they're really only having to play their starters. Yeah. You know, for two and a half quarters before they, you know, they start siphoning. They're going full throttle for the whole game because their defense can't stop it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, so it's the, the, the perfect situation as far as like amassing all those yeah. that, I mean, that massive statistical uh, numbers that they have. Just when you factor in the circumstances surrounding the program, but obviously, I mean, there's other programs that are going to factor into this race. And Surely, Dylan Markowitz and Manny Fincher are going to somehow work their way into this conversation. But who else is kind of on your radar? Well, you know, and, and you may be looking at you know MVP and Offensive Player of the Year. Um, since this is Texas OU week, I'll Boomer pull, sooner. I'll pull in the, yeah, yeah. Well, uh, uh, I'll, I'll pull in a couple of uh, guys that are headed that way to the uh, yeah. to those schools. Uh, Seth McGowan, yeah. uh, Oklahoma Pledge, over at Poteet, um, has been banged up early in the season, um, kind of riding into form as you know as as we mm -hmm. go on. He's rushed for 490 yards um, this season, averaging basically eight yards a carry. Yeah. And um, again, he missed some time early. Yeah, that's how I remember. Yeah, because the numbers didn't initially pop off the way that yeah. I was expecting. Then I saw, like, and I guess the first game that he came back. Oh yeah, okay, he has like 150 yards and three touchdowns. Yeah, he went 190 last week. Yeah. So he's he's running into form. And then Ty Jordan over at West Mesquite, who's going to Texas, mm -hmm. um, hasn't. They, they, he's only had 37 carries this year, which kind of surprises me. Mm -hmm. I mean, he's he's averaging eight yards carry as well. But these, they've used him a lot more as a receiver. He's got 30 receptions. Um, for 330 yards this year. So they've used them in a, in a variety of different ways. I think those guys are... Um 
offensive MVP candidates, certainly, mm-hmm. uh, especially as we go on, because Seth McGowan's as, as we get into district further. I mean, Poteet's only played one district game. Yeah. Um, you know, look for them to, to kind of you know use him as the workhorse. That's that what they've done in previous years. They start him off on a light load, even when he was healthy, mm-hmm. a light load. But then once you get in a district, you know, uh, like last year against West Mesquite, they get 37 carries. They just, <laughs> you know, he just they're going to they're yeah. going to use him more as the season goes on. Same with Ty Jordan. Mm-hmm. I just don't think that he's you know they haven't had to use him as much as they needed to. But as you get into the uh, the, the brunt of the district schedule, both those guys are they're going to put up you know more and more numbers. So. Mm-hmm. Um, those are two other guys, and obviously, you know, we don't get to see the Texas Highs and the John Tyler's and Sherman's of the world. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think between McKinney North, Poteet, yeah. and West Mesquite, and the numbers they've been putting up—that's where the I, offensive yeah, superlatives are going to yeah, come you, from. You, you yeah. kind of have your, your front runners right there. Um, how about on the uh, anybody else, be it defensive or newcomer, anybody else from one of the other uh, superlatives that uh, leaps out as a potential candidate? Uh, you know, I, I think Jalen Hodo was the defensive uh, district defensive player of the year last mm-hmm. year. He's putting up similar numbers okay um, he's, he's a guy that he makes big plays I mean he just last year he had three uh, defensive scores for touchdowns and he's just one of those guys that's always throwing the ball he's uh, I mean he's averaging nine tackles a game this year I think he's certainly right there in consideration uh, Stephen Kirk uh, is a guy also for Poteet uh, he's averaging 10 tackles a game uh, just as a junior uh, a guy that wasn't really on the radar last year um, but you, know, you talk about kind of newcomer of the year you know, potential uh, a guy that's that's putting up those kind of numbers on the defensive side of the ball. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, certainly is going to be a consideration yeah. for that. Over in seven five A Division two, Brian. Last year, this was a fun, it was a fun little three horse race between Josh Foskey, Ryan Depperschmidt, Carson Collins. As far as players that we figured would factor somewhere into that uh, into that MVP race, was it Foskey that wound up winning it? No, it was Will Harbor. Will Harbor. Oh, oh screw me. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Will Harbor. I'm um, you know still in consideration again this year, but as we've mentioned on the podcast, the story has been. The rise of Frisco High, mm-hmm. so a return to form for the Raccoons, and um, and it feels like right now with them being the uh, I guess the lone because this yeah this they've already played four district games in yeah. the schedule at this point because they got started really early because mm-hmm. it's got what nine schools in it and whatnot so um, so yeah it feels like though we're setting up for a uh, for an MVP from Frisco. Um, so what do you? Uh, what's been kind of your read on who could uh, who could very well be that MVP, and if there's anybody else um, maybe from one of those other programs that might be able to work their way into the mix? Well, one with the stats that pop out at you are Bryson Clemens, running back with over 700 uh, rushing yards, 11 touchdowns, uh, averaging almost eight yards per carry. Mm-hmm. You know, because Frisco lo- loves to run the ball. It's no surprise, wing T offense, and he's that lead guy. But what we were talking about earlier, you know, the guy that's really made the biggest impact and made them so diverse. Uh, and not so one-dimensional like they have been for most of this decade is Chase Lowry, mm-hmm. and, and I saw him, you know, against Reedy. He, you know, without him they don't beat Reedy. You know, without him they don't make that big catch on third and long with a few minutes left in the fourth quarter. Uh, without him, he's not, you know, he's busting out 59-yard touchdown catches to start the game against, you know, the, your probably your biggest rival in the district in Reedy. Uh, you know, he has 24 catches, over 600 receiving yards, and seven touchdowns. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, one receiver in Frisco has done that in quite some time. Yes. <laughs> you know, but what was the stat we were talking okay, about? Yeah. So Chase Lowry has seven receiving yeah. touchdowns. I was curious when the last time, because mm-hmm. Frisco is a we, we store wing team. Yeah. They don't throw for too many touchdowns. So when was the last time that Frisco exceeded seven passing touchdowns <laughs> overall for a season? You'd have to go all the way back to 2013, 13. the last time that that happened. Yeah. I would bet 
a decade before that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I mean, yeah, Chase Lowry, it really is kind of validating the strides that they've made. Yeah. Not him, but Kari Green as well. Just the, just yeah. validating this pass. I mean, yeah, because you have now, I mean, Chase Lowry, last time that Frisco had a receiver that was in the top 15 in the area in receiving yards, it's not something that you see all too often. And yeah. It's been such a, a special presence for them in transferring from Prestonwood Christian. And Kari Green, first year as a quarterback, he has a thousand yards through the air. Comer of the year, Thir- maybe? 13 touchdowns. Oh, yeah, yeah. for sure. For sure. But still, man, when you have a player like Will Harbor who literally does it all, he's the best linebacker in this district. Okay, mm-hmm. he has 63 tackles for Reedy. And then, you know, they use him in so many different instances on offense, whether it's goal line, whether it's other short yardage, or, you know, I'm talking goal, uh, Wildcat quarterback, they mm-hmm. use, they've used him that capacity since the sophomore year. You know, they even threw him out there on first and 10, you know, when they were down 15 to nothing against Frisco, deep in their own territory. It's like, hey, we need some, a couple first downs. Go out there, Will. And then, you know, he had a big game against Denison, had a couple mm-hmm. touchdowns. I, m- I remember seeing uh, Matt Stepp w- was tweeting a lot about Will Harbor and ha- his impact on his game uh, that he brings for Reedy. And he's also the kicker. You know, he, he's, a, he's a very accurate kicker. And he's an extra guy, essentially, on, on kickoffs. Because you think on kickoffs, the kicker's not going to make plays. No, that's the, the baddest defensive player in the district <laughs> right there. And you've got to watch out for him because he's going to boot a – if he doesn't boot a touchback – He's coming for you, and he's probably going to make a tackle on, on his own kickoff, man. If that doesn't scream MVP, I don't know what does. Mm-hmm. But especially if Frisco is 10-0 yeah. and undefeated, you got to give it to someone from Frisco. And there's three guys that are deserving. Mm-hmm. You know, Chase Lowry is, is probably number one out of those three. One other name, um, it's not for a program within the district that we cover routinely, but um, but one that's going to work its way into the mix is Grayson Thompson with Denton Braswell. Yeah. A Braswell team that still remains to be seen, but could very well be maybe the second best team in the district. They already be. beat Lovejoy. Uh, they did lose to Frisco, albeit in a fairly competitive game. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Grayson Thompson, he's currently number three in the area right now among 5A programs in passing yardage. 1686, 16 touchdowns, does have five picks, but nevertheless though, I mean, it's a massive step forward that program has taken and he's been right at the center of it. So, um, yeah, I mean, if they go on to beat Reedy or whatever and they can get that number two seed, mm-hmm. then you can he's very well see Grayson Thompson working his way into that mix. Maybe his offensive, offensive player. Offensive yep, that's like exactly that. what I was thinking too, yeah. Um, let's see, so yeah, that is at least a look at um, kind of what some, uh, how some of the uh, the early superlative races might be shaping up, at least from our vantage point. You know, we don't vote on these. We vote on the all-area team, our own area team, but as far as the all-district list and all that, coaches take care of all that stuff. Um, but nevertheless, that's kind of where we're at on our 5A districts. We still do have um, some stuff over in 6A to discuss, and we will do that on the other side of this break. Uh, first, got to shine that student-athlete spotlight. And speaking of 6A, um, I was out in Marcus for a chat with uh, the Marauders quarterback, Garrett Nussmeyer. He's one of the names that we will surely mention in our next segment as far as potential MVP candidates out of District 66A. Here's a look at what Garrett had to say after a word from this sponsor. Today's podcast is brought to you by Star Local Media. 14 newspapers and websites with a print distribution of 270,000 homes and monthly page views of 600,000 online. Star Local Media, your community voice for news. And now, let's get back to the podcast. We are out here at Marcus High School talking with quarterback Garrett Nussmeyer of the Marcus Marauders. So um, I guess, uh, yeah, you guys have won now four straight ever since that season opener against Bowie. Just talk a bit about um, kind of thinking on this hot run you guys have been on. What do you attribute to kind of the turnaround? Yeah, um, you know, I think uh, I think we just came after week one and it was a rude awakening to us. Um, you know, we put in a lot of work this offseason to, to get to a place to where we can compete at a high level in our district. And, um, you know, I still think we're at that level. And, you know, I think after that loss, you know, we kind of sat there and said, okay, we've got to work harder. You know, Arlington Boo is a great football team. Um, 
and you know I think they really they really showed us hey okay this is what we're gonna have to be like if we want to win in the playoffs and accomplish our goal that uh, that we've been working for so um, it's been great ever since we won so they talk about specifically in the offensive side of the ball what has kind of changed since since that opener just talk yeah, about the level you guys are executing at yeah I think um, for one you know it's confidence level um, you know for a lot of us uh, it, it wasn't my first game but it was some of our first games you know playing uh, at a varsity level so you know there's a lot of miscues you know you can just tell that we weren't on the same page and a lot of us were a little nervous so um, you know as the season has gone on we've just continued to build confidence and continue to play together as a team and uh, just build the the chemistry and so it's been great now you guys have now this is your second year as the starter so yes, second sir. back to I guess your sophomore year kind of going through this varsity thing yeah. for the very first time as a as a junior kind of how much has the game changed in one year's time for you yeah I think uh, the game has completely changed for me um, it's kind of slowed down a little bit um, it's helped a lot with me as far as reading defenses and knowing where to go with the football um, as far as the team level you know we have a completely different team this year than we did last year uh, you know the heart and soul of our team is together we're one team uh, and we have an attitude that, that really wants to go win football games so when you think back to your first year as a, as a varsity quarterback kind of week to week what was kind of the biggest challenge getting used to quarterbacking at the, uh, the varsity level for the first time yeah you know I think um, with last year the, the the craziest part about every week is you know playing at, in the highest level of high school football in the mm -hmm. country in my opinion um, you know some news thrown at you every week and every down there's gonna be something you've never seen before and so you know you get to play against these good teams like we play against like Flower Mountain and Hebron and, and Coppell and Louisville and all these guys you know we play in a really great district uh, against some really good teams you play against some real athletes so it helps to have a very uh, it's been a very balanced and deep receiving core for you this year I mean I was talking with coach Atkinson after the win last week I mean you guys are spreading the ball around it's really can you never know who's gonna go off right. each night so just talk about that balance and how much easier that makes your job yeah you know uh, kudos to them they're making me look really good right now you know they're, they're making plays and um, you know I trust every single one of them out there there's no doubt in my mind you know that the game on the line I'll throw it to any single one of them so um, they're, they're working hard you know in practice they've been working their butts off all season you know our chemistry is through the roof right now and we're just gonna keep building on this on this confidence so now you guys uh, last season you guys were uh, unfortunately the odd man out in the playoffs right. you had five good teams vying for four playoffs spots. Right. so um, kind of talk just from an expectation expectation standpoint I mean what did you guys what are some goals for this season for you? Yeah, you know the, the number one goal really that we've had um, in turning this place around and turning the mindset of this program around you know coach Atkins has talked about is his goal is just to win in the playoffs uh, mm -hmm. not just to get to the playoffs but to win in the playoffs and there's no doubt in my mind that we have a good enough team this year uh, to accomplish those goals um, you know I think we have a good enough team to win district we just got to go out and do our thing and take it game by game and just to play each play with 100 percent I just wanted to quickly pivot off the field because you do come from a football family you know, yes, for those who don't know your uh, your dad Doug was a uh, a longtime NFL quarterback and currently the tight ends coach for the Dallas Cowboys so yes, I mean just talk a bit about how much of a uh, how much did that kind of help just growing up and getting acclimated to the game of football having a uh, someone yeah, in the family yeah, no doubt, sure no doubt. like that yeah um, you know it's helped me tremendously you know he's he's been a huge role model in my life and somebody that I've always had to look question or to ask questions to and uh, he's always given me really great answers as far as leadership and on the football field you know not just X's and O's but also you know touch and stuff like that you know so it's been a huge help and uh, you know coach A's been really great and um, him and my dad have a good relationship you know they talk all the time so it's almost like I have two coaches you know and uh, coach A's a really great coach also so it's it's really good to have those two great coaches in my life was there ever then a doubt that you were going to play quarterback once you started taking football seriously uh, I mean you know ever since I was little it's always the quarterback you okay. know I was like football or whatever I mean I played receiver for one year but you know everything else has been quarterback and uh 
you know, he, he never forced that upon me, but it's just kind of the way things went, so I'm truly thankful. But if there was, like, a secondary position, is there yeah. another on the field that you feel like you could have I think, success I think, at? I think I would play receiver if I okay. had to play another one. Inside yeah. or outside? Or uh, you know, I'd do like a little slot, a little Julian Edelman type okay, thing. Okay, right. <laughs> Patriots fan, so like to hear that. Okay, okay. <laughs> so, I mean, uh, so now I'm, yeah, obviously looking ahead now to uh, in the weeks to come. The schedule's going to get pretty fun these next few weeks for yes, you sir. guys. you got a you know, big one against Hebron on Friday, then Capel the next week, then the Mound Showdown the week after that. Yes, so, how I mean, just how anxious are you guys for this stretch yeah. of the uh, of the schedule that's really going to kind of test whether or not you guys can be a right. legit playoff team. Yeah, no doubt. You know, we're, we're really excited for the way these next two games are going to go. You know, um, we're trying to keep that excitement controlled and, and in a bottle and just focus on week by week. Um, so right now, I'm, I'm not going to talk too much on who we got the week yeah, after no that doubt. or whatever. You know, right now my focus is Hebron. And, you know, this team's focus is Hebron. And, you know, we just take it week by week and I'm confident in things we can accomplish. Well, awesome, Garrett. I appreciate you taking the time to chat, man. Yes, this has been Garrett Nussmeyer, the quarterback for the Marcus Marauders. And yeah, man, appreciate you taking the time Thank you for to talk on the podcast and best of luck to y'all going forward. Sir, thank you. Thank you. Big thanks to Garrett Nussmeyer for taking the time to chat for our student athlete spotlight as we continue to take a look at um, some early, uh, early superlative races within our respective districts. Who could be some potential award winners by season's end? Um, we were just talking back to, uh, to Garrett Nussmeyer, so let's quickly touch on 66A and a look at the Louisville ISD and Capel district, since that's where the superlatives are likely going to go. Um, Heading into the uh, in the offseason and whatnot, so let's see. All right, so Garrett Nussmeyer is among the uh, is among several candidates for uh, for me. This is a this is a district where it doesn't feel like anybody has truly separated themselves yet as far as a home run pick like a Marvin Mims or anything like that. Um, you do have a very fascinating race shaping up for the district's passing title between the aforementioned Garrett Nussmeyer and Flower Mound's Blake Short. They are currently within just five yards of each other overall. Short having passed for uh, for fourteen twenty and Nussmeyer for fourteen fifteen. Um, Blake Short has. 16 touchdown passes. Garrett Nussmeyer has 15. Um, the Mount Showdown still is yet to happen. That game is, is going to be uh, there's going to be as much juice behind that game as there's been in some time. So uh, hey, who knows? That could very well be the uh, the platform for those two mm -hmm. to shine and make one case over the other. Um, you've also got a guy like Tyson Edwards from Marcus, who is just getting the latest in a long, lengthy line of uh, of workhorse backs that have just totally dominated for the Marauders. Um, Tyson Edwards, who's currently 794 rushing yards, just over seven yards per carry uh, nine touchdowns he's also second on the team in receptions receiving yards and receiving touchdowns total almost a, almost a uh, 1100 yards of offense and 12 touchdowns certainly a guy who deserves some sort of recognition for his impressive season um I'm really anxious to see how the Newcomer of the Year superlative shakes out. And it was one that went to two players last year, um, Walker Polk, Armani Winfield, Isaiah Braxton, now that I think about it, yeah, there was, I guess they split up in offense and defense. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, you had Walker Polk with Capel, um, Armani Winfield with Louisville, Isaiah Broadway with Hebron. So there's plenty of worthy candidates though, this year, and that's where uh, you look at the uh, the receiver position, some of the, uh, the first-year names that have really stood out there. The leading receiver in the district, Anthony Black from Capel, a kid that was uh, had a lot of fans and fair, a lot of buzz leading into the season has certainly lived up to that hype. You know, he's got 442 yards and five touchdowns, almost 20 yards per catch. So obviously, ball gets in his hands. Great things are happening. J. Michael Sturdivant, who is um, you know, over at uh, over at Marcus, he's currently number two in the district in receiving with 429 yards and five touchdowns. And then um, Isaiah Stevens at Louisville, who's emerged as a really worthy complement to Armani Winfield, who won this newcomer award last year. Uh, Stevens has a nose for the end zone. He's currently tied for fifth in the area with eight receiving touchdowns among 6A programs. And then, of course, if you're talking Louisville, you got to mention Taylor Green, quarterback, transfer from Allen, who's having a great year and helping, uh, again, kind of add this uh, this new dimension to that Louisville passing attack that they haven't had in some time, one on track to be one of the better passing years for that program. He's um, at 
1,058 passing yards, 12 touchdowns, only one interception. You can make a lot of case for you can make a worthy case for several guys in that district when it comes to newcomer of the year. Um, as far as how defensive player of the year might shake out, Walker Polk won newcomer of the year last year. He's probably going to have a defensive player of the year under his name by the time he graduates. Whether it's this year remains to be seen. He's making a great case though. He is on pace for 140 tackles at linebacker in the heart of that Capel defense. He's having a great year. Lewis Phil's d- defense has been awesome. They were the uh, they were the recipient of this award last year um, with Caden Johnson. Dylan Adams has picked it up really um, really uh, impressively for Louisville's defensive line. He's been named the team's defensive player of the game the past three games. <laughs> That's consistency right there. And then you got Hebron, who might have the best overall defense in the district. And then guys like Darius Snow, Carter Norrie, Ben Rutherford, all having great years. You could give it to any number of players in this district. So, yeah, it feels like a district where we're probably going to end up with a lot of co picks <laughs> when all said and done. But um, so that's kind of a look at kind of how at least things are shaking out in six six a up to this point. Over in nine six a, Brian, we were talking earlier, and despite all of the uh, you know the the heavyweight programs, at least from an enrollment standpoint in this district, it doesn't feel like right now through one half of the season there is a runaway home run slam dunk pick for MVP. There isn't. You know, the first one that comes to mind is obviously Raylan Sharp. Because mm-hmm. when you think of MVP, you think, okay, it's got to be someone from Allen. You know, look at your, <laughs> look at your uh, past. Number three ranked team in the state. Yeah. They always said whether it's whether it's MVP, like last year it was uh, it was Grant Tisdale. Mm-hmm. But, the, I mean, this isn't a district that is automatically kowtowed to Allen when it comes to those that MVP superlative. Matt Gaddick with McKinney won it his senior year. Well, when you run for 600 yards yeah, in a game. Miklos Smalls <laughs> with Plato East won it yeah. his senior year. So they will go, you know, go a little bit above and beyond because it's Allen, and yeah, everyone knows that Allen's the best team in that district every year, but Allen has a lot of worthy selections for these superlatives. Um, but well, they, they, they have 6,000 students, but only one vote in the all-district meetings, so they can't true. railroad their way to <laughs> all their awards there. <laughs> that doesn't matter in those all-district meetings. <laughs> but uh, the two guys that you maybe preseason MVP favorites you would have thought would have been Sharp mm-hmm. and EJ Smith, a Jesuit, and they both missed time. Yeah. So you got to account for that too in an MVP vote. You know, granted they've they without Sharp they almost you know lost to Capel, yeah. which kind of it helps support it, the whole it, like yeah, just sort of it, impact to a team and whatnot. Yeah. But and how valuable he is, which he is obviously, but he hasn't necessarily been the same. You told me some eye popping stats with you know his rushing attack, there rushing are, game. Because yeah, I feel like there needs it, to be like because Raylan Sharp has had a fine season, no doubt. I want to make it sound like he's underperformed yeah. or anything. It's the thing with Sharp is he he's he's one of the best dual threat quarterbacks in the area, maybe the state. In terms of just raw speed, you can mm-hmm. argue that he is the fastest quarterback in the state when you look at what he does, um, you know, hurtling on, on, a, on the track and whatnot. But nevertheless, like, the air, I mean, he missed that game against Capel because of an ankle injury, mm-hmm. and I feel like when you look at his rushing numbers, they're not going to just jump off the page at you, but I think that might be kind of by design. So against Cedar Hill in their opener, Raylan Sharp carried the ball, at least he was attributed with nine carries for 134 yards. Great game, obviously. He has um, only logged eight rushes since then for only six yards. So that's sacks and whatnot. But the thing is, like, but just actually having seen the games, they're not calling design runs for him, you know, as much. Which tells me that, you know, perhaps the ankle is still something yeah. that he's working through. Plus, 
they they haven't really felt a need. It's kind of like with McGowan. They haven't really had a need to to really divulge that mm-hmm. part of his uh, of his arsenal as much because they just like when you're up four to five touchdowns, <laughs> a lot of is it because time, it just isn't necessary. They can get by with Selden Manning and Jordan Johnson yeah. and have Sharp feed the ball around to the Green Twins and Darian Sherfield. They haven't really had to unlock that aspect of his game, but it is there. And when it is there, then it's devastating because I mean he's again he's a player who averaged like almost 15 yards a carry last year. I'll be in mop of duty, but he's already torched a Cedar Hill team that's ranked you know among the uh, states top 25 he was I mean yeah he's he can run and that aspect of his game is so devastating that it's you've really only seen him play though I'd say maybe about up to like 60 to 75 percent of his potential because that run that running aspect is so important to his overall skill set now do you think he's not running because of the ankle injury or which one do you think is the biggest factor it's because I think it's a combination of a like they want him to be they want to heal the ankle I don't think Mm -hmm. the ankle is 100 or hasn't been 100 percent but also it's just a a, this by circumstance they just haven't had to because again, they can still blow these teams yeah. out in the first half by just simply doing everything else, and they haven't really been been in the situation where they need to have him run the ball. So, um, but yeah, I mean, it does. You know, if you're just going off of just sheer counting stats and the sort of you know and making those cases for for MVP, I mean, because the guy that we were you know talking about, I guess, is a comparison for Raylan Sharp was Prosper's Jackson Berry, who's having a terrific year. I mean, mm-hmm. Allen and Prosper both undefeated so far. They've shown to be the clear cut top two teams in the district, um, and you know, but the uh, the numbers for Jackson Berry. Solid, you know, 1,075 passing yards, 13 passing touchdowns, two picks, 180 rushing yards, um, you know, really, five rushing touchdowns. Really good numbers, but MVP numbers? Uh, but in this district, maybe so. Mm-hmm. You know, because like I said, with Sharp missing some time and his numbers haven't jumped out at you and EJ Smith's numbers aren't really jumping out at you, you know, it maybe allows <coughs> a guy like Jackson Berry who, who really is having a great year. If and I, I brought this up to you. If, if Jackson Berry doesn't get, you know, MVP or Offensive Player of the Year or whatever, mm. what about Newcomer of the Year? Yeah. But there's other guys in this yes. district that are more than worthy of that, too. Um, yeah. So, like, with – because and you also have to factor in the context of, like, Allen and Prosper, not only are they undefe- not only undefeated and blowing teams out, like, they're up by – Prosper's up by an average of 24 points at halftime this yeah. season. So these guys, like, while the numbers might not jump off, well, yeah, of course, because they're playing two and a half quarters most times. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's where you see, like, guys like McKinney, North and whatnot is because they're playing all their guys all the way to the finish line. Um, so yeah, but you mentioned you know a, a potential newcomer of the year, and the uh, I mean the district's leading passer, rusher, and receiver are not from Allen or Prosper; they're from McKinney. <laughs> McKinney has uh, had a well, two uh, of them are sophomores, right? Or, uh, I or? believe so. Kendrick, I wish Kendrick were here to, to verify that and whatnot. But nevertheless, I know yes. the running back's a sophomore. Yes. The quarterback, I believe, is too. Okay. Samson Nazarco. Mm-hmm. Yeah, see, so yeah, a quarterback, Samson Nazarco, he's having a great year. Mm-hmm. Running back, Lamaria Ransom. He's doing the same on Isaiah Rojas. I mean, so it feels like newcomer of the year. You could give it to all three of them, for that matter. Yeah, it's a co-newcomer of the year, all three of McKinney. Yeah, I mean, Seth, they're, I mean, they're all, again, they've, they're leading the district yeah. in their respective categories. And now, obviously, you have to factor in the non-district schedule that they played contributing to that. Um, but, yeah, I mean, for a guy like EJ Smith, I mean, he's going to have his chances because, yeah, he was sidelined for the early part of the season. You know, we know the when healthy, what a difference maker he can be for that Jesuit offense. And there's, I mean, Jesuit still has to play Prosper on Friday, mm-hmm. still got to play Allen, so these guys will still get their chances to kind of puff up that resume a bit more in the coming weeks as some of the more marquee matchups in the district uh, materialize. Um, but yeah, at least right now it feels like, you know, if you have to go MVP, maybe Sharp versus Barry, and yeah, maybe a slight edge to Barry right now, but still obviously plenty more to be written in, a, in that battle. Then on the uh, the defensive side of the ball, that's been one that Allen's traditionally fared pretty well in as far mm-hmm. as uh, history saying that it's going to come from somebody uh, with Allen, and not just that, somebody from the Allen defensive line. <laughs> 
it's been a, a positional group that uh, you know whether it was you know Levi Onzurike last year with Jaden Jernigan, Byron Bonds a handful of years ago. Allen has a long lineage of, uh, of standout defensive linemen, and you look at a guy like Elijah Fisher and just the monster year that he's having, making the move from tight end to uh, to defensive end and kind of becoming one of the centerpieces of that Allen pass rush. Feels like he's a name to watch for as far as the uh, the defensive player of the year goes. And then I'm sure somebody from Prosper, whether it's Aiden Siano, whoever. Aiden Siano's I mean, a stud. Yeah, the linebacker. He's he's really good, but. I don't know if they can beat the Fisher guy from from Allen, but you know the Prosper defense is is legit. No matter what has been said about them <laughs> in, the, in, in the coming week, in the in the previous yeah. weeks, yeah. they you know they may not be the best defense in the state. They may not be quite Allen, but that is a really really good defense. Aiden Siano is a really good player too. Yeah, yeah, for sure. You can make cases for lots of good players yeah. in this district for that. Um, Devin. 10-6-A. <laughs> oh, God, do we have to? <laughs> oh, come on now. A district where there's... Actually, should be proud. There's, there's plenty of parity in this district. We're not there sure is. what type of parity. Um, but nevertheless, it's shaping up to be one of those districts, though, where there's going to be a lot of, like, kind of like we're in 9-6-A, where there's really no one that's separated from the pack in any of these categories. A lot of guys that are in candidacy really close in it in terms of their overall statistical impact. So, I mean, yeah, dude, this has been a really difficult district to predict <laughs> Week in, week out. Who knows who the district favorite is right now and just in the grand scheme of things, but who do you foresee as kind of the superlative uh, candidates? I, I mean, I think uh, Kamar Wheaton over at Lakeview yeah. um, is, you know, he, he missed their loss to North Garland. Um, he's come back and they've won both games, beat Wiley last week. I mean, he's, if you go by, you know, uh, 247sports.com. He's rated as the number one running back in the country uh, for the class of 2021. Wow. Uh, just amazing speed, a track star. Um, and, um, you know, if he stays healthy, he's going to be a difference maker. And I think he's probably the front runner. A guy to keep an eye on, though, is Sean Coleman, the mm-hmm. running back at Saxe. Uh, You know, they came in. Saxe had all sorts of question marks at the running back position coming in when Miles Nash transferred right before the season started. Mm-hmm. They didn't know who was going to be that guy. They were going to use four or five different guys. They still have four or five different guys, but some are young, some have been banged up. You know, Sean Coleman went 36 carries for 228 yards against Damon Forrest. And then last week against Garland in the game, I got to see, uh, he goes 19 for 243. So, I mean, he's shown the ability to be that workhorse Mm -hmm. he's been you know as their passing game is still developing he's been kind of their go-to guy and um i think if not district mvp at this point in time he's certainly an offensive mvp candidate uh Mm -hmm. right there um on the defensive side of the ball it's kind of hard to tell. There's a lot of guys that are kind of on the same level. You look yeah. at a guy like Jordan Brooks, uh, Saxe, one of the leading tacklers over there who, who makes plays. Um, you know, Rowlett has, a, you know, a couple guys in the secondary um, that, that are up there. But, again, there's nobody that just jumps out at you. Mm-hmm. There's, not, not, there's not like, okay, this is this, you know, a D1 prospect here or there that's, you know, shining like D1 prospect. Not a Hunter Spears? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just it's just kind of across the board. You got, I mean, if, if I took all eight teams, I could probably come up with 25 guys mm-hmm. with real, really good stats, but very similar stats. Yeah. Nobody that just kind of goes out there. Um, newcomer of the year is, is the one that's interesting because mm-hmm. 
you know, I saw Garland play on Thursday. Yeah. Garland is 60% sophomores. Yeah, that's what I've heard, man. Yeah, it's and, been... and, and, and Sergio Perez, their quarterback, is throwing for 1,500 yards. Yep. Uh, Jay Sean Powers, their running back, uh, 125 carries for 648 yards. Jordan Hudson is 48 catches already, <laughs> um, you know, for Jeez. 768 wow. yards and 11 touchdowns. And, again, all those guys are sophomores. But I'll tell you the most impressive sophomore I saw was Jalil Brown at South Garland. Wow. Okay. Um, on, on Friday night yeah. against Rowlett. Um, you know, South Garland is, is trying to get their program back to, you know, uh, to, to a winning level. Uh, they've endured their sheer struggles. Um, but uh, if I told you, you know, Jill Brown, the defense, you know, you don't have a lot of weapons on South Garland's offense. So they know that he's going to be getting mm-hmm. the ball. 93 carries. 951 yards. I'm seeing right now that's the area leader. Wow. Yeah, he's averaging over 10 yards per carry. Goodness. And, and opposing defenses, I mean, I talked to Doug Stevens after the game, uh, you know, at Rowlett. He said, yeah, we knew he was going to get the ball. He's just kind of tough to stop. And he really is. He, he gets yards after contact. He's, he's just, I was very impressed, uh, you know, with him. And he also plays quarterback sometimes. Okay. And he's throwing three touchdown passes this season. Um, it's, that's not their ideal situation because, you know, ideally speaking, they want him, you know, hand him, hand the ball to him in the backfield to get him to get ahead of steam and use that power because he's a really strong runner. Um, but, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of a lot of talented sophomores out there. That newcomer of the year is going to be a, a battle. Do you think it's something system-based? Because didn't uh, Jaquarian Turner, another South Garland player, um, didn't he, wasn't he, like, among the area leaders in rushing for uh, for a hot minute? He was, um, and, and, and he, but that was a totally different offense. They have a new okay. coaching staff this year. Well, there you go. Um, and, and so they, yeah. they, they changed, uh, you know, coaching staffs changed offense. Mm-hmm. I mean, basically last year it was give Jaquarian Turner the ball, mm-hmm. and, and that was all they did. Yeah. And so, and even he was effective, at, yeah. you know, at times. Um, um, but you know they've got a, a different system now, and, and it's 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 more diverse. Like I say, they they they've got two other guys that have more than forty carries on that South Carolina team. So um, I mean, he's just he's just a good good player, and um, you know sticking out is uh, a bright spot on, on a team that's you know mm-hmm. one in five. But um, over there, I, I was I was impressed with him. Um, you know, I think when it's when it's all said and done, Rowlett and Saxy. Are probably going to have the lion's share mm-hmm. of the award winners, um, but again, it's so even right now. You know, except for Kamar Wheaton, I think if Kamar Wheaton continues to do what he's capable of, I think he's kind of your favorite for MVP. Okay. But um, you know, like I said, there's just so many guys that are so close together right now. It's just kind of hard to tell. Lots of competition over in District 116A as well. And we can close <laughs> that out with a look at that. Um, so yeah, I mean, you've got, obviously, we focus primarily on the Mesquite schools, but if we're just kind of getting a sense of where things are leaning in this district with what Longview's done so far, kind of establishing themselves as the clear-cut uh, number one in the district. And Rockwall, you know, after last, especially after last week over Horn as the as the clear-cut number two, it does feel like Haynes King kind of locked up that MVP with that uh, performance against Rockwall. And then we'll see how much if he misses any more time but obviously we've spoken ad nauseum about Jackson Smith and Jigba and what he brings to the table at Rockwall who, who, um, in, who in six games might put up the kind of numbers they can still yes. win an award so it's, yeah it's that's it's nuts but then you've got guys like you know, said for newcomer of the year the race between Brayden Locke and Josh Hoover you know if Rockwall's quarterback against Rockwall Heaths um, I mean but obviously for those Mesquite kids though I mean do you see anybody being able to factor in or just how do you kind of see the 116A superlatives I mean I mean I mean it's just really I mean I think Haynes King is going to be tough to beat him out he was an MVP last year he's yeah. going to get MVP again this year I don't see Longview especially after they just dusted Rockwall yeah. I, mean, um, I feel like there's really much of a challenge left for them I mean, in the regular I mean, season that, that was yeah I mean I you never can tell there's been stranger things have happened I suppose and, and injuries can always factor in no doubt but um, but yeah Longview is, is clear cut I think Haynes King um, 
and certainly the favorite there. Uh, you mentioned the two quarterbacks over at the Rockwall schools. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, <laughs> they're currently one and two in the area in passing right now. Yeah, just among six A programs, you have Hoover number one with two thousand seven yards, Locke with eighteen seventy seven at number two. Yeah, yeah, and so um, you know, and I love to say in the past is done offensive. Newcomer of the year and defensive newcomer mm-hmm. of the year. It's a battle between those two for offensive. Uh, defensive, you look at a guy like Marquise Edwards, uh, the linebacker at Horn, mm. uh, is just a sophomore. He has 62 tackles already this season. Wow. Um, kind of stepped in. You know, a lot of people made, uh, you know, when Kendrick Blackshire transferred in the offseason, um, it's like, oh, that was that was our, our and they, they Horn has a tremendous linebacking core with Nick Garcia and Quavon Grant, oh, guys yeah. like that. But uh, Marquis Edwards has kind of come in there and made an instant impact mm-hmm. and leads the team in tackles. And so, um, as far as superlative awards, I, I think he right now would be a front runner for defensive newcomer of the year. Okay. Um, as far as you know, other superlatives, it's just kind of hard. It's a really it's, competitive district, man. You know, There's and, a lot of good players and, in that and, district. And Tyler Lee, uh, Jamarian Miller, yeah. that who made it with impact as a freshman last year as a running back mm-hmm. um, is, and then Tyler Lee Olsen can pass the ball. <laughs> I mean, they're five and one, yeah. and and you know, their only losses to Poteet yeah. in, a, in a low scoring game, but. Um, it's just that's a very very good district top to bottom i mean and and that's you look you look at you know mesquite north mesquite and horn chances are only one of those teams is to make the playoffs yeah but if you shifted them to another district maybe 10 6 um then uh then maybe all three of those teams are in, in playoff contention until the very end it's just you know when you have the defending state champion when you have a powerhouse like Rockwall mm-hmm. and an upstart Tyler Lee it's just it's a tough district across the board feels like between 11-6A over in 6A and 5-5A Division 1 over in 5A some very interesting discussions mm-hmm. as far as I mean just two districts that are absolutely loaded with star power relative to these uh, these superlatives and yeah that's that is kind of a look at where we're at with um yeah with all of our districts as far as some early uh, early superlative talk um, so yeah and that'll wrap up this edition of the podcast Devin and Brian appreciate y'all for swinging along um We'll be back on Thursday to uh, to break down our game of the week. You can go to the website, starlocalmedia.com, to vote on this week's poll. We've got five solid games, once again, up for contention. And we'll be back on Thursday to break it down, folks. Enjoy the rest of your week. We will talk to you all later. Looking to hire top talent in your community? Look no further than starlocaljobs.com. Our platform is specifically designed to connect local employers with qualified candidates in their area. With StarLocalJobs.com, you can easily post job listings tailored to your specific needs and requirements. Our platform is user-friendly and offers a wide range of options to help you find the perfect candidate for your open position. Plus, our job matching algorithm ensures that your listing is shown to the most relevant job seekers in your area. But that's not all, StarLocalJobs.com also offers a variety of resources to help you throughout the hiring process. From candidate screening to interview tips, our team of experts is dedicated to helping you find the right fit for your company. So why wait? Join the thousands of satisfied employers who have found their ideal candidate through StarLocalJobs.com. Post your job listing today and start building your dream team.